All right, good morning, everybody. Here we are in uh, quarantine week two, I guess, uh, uh, where I possibly was exposed. Everything's good. I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling bad. And, um, test results came back negative, so everything's good. We're just uh, being, uh, again, uh, using precaution and using caution um, just for this Sunday. Hopefully, we'll hopefully be back next week. If not, we'll, we'll let you know. But uh, right now, it's looking, looking okay. I know that uh, Avery County is starting to peak. Um, and so that's a, that's a huge prayer request for the church, especially um, with all that's going on right now with Thanksgiving right around the corner and uh, all the visitation and everything that's going to take place and all the, all the turkey that's going to be eaten. Uh, we got to make sure to stay safe and uh, stay healthy through that. So that's a huge prayer request, and we'll, we'll pray about that here shortly. Uh, this morning, we're going to be over in John chapter 5. John chapter 5 will be through uh, verse 1 through 9. And we're going to be looking at something I was telling Maria that night. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever preached on this, this subject or this verse right here. Even though it's one that uh, we're all very familiar with, uh, Lord never laid on my heart to preach a message out of it. And so we're going to be over in John 5. And we'll be looking at uh, the man that's been sick for 38 years and Jesus healing him. And it doesn't have so much to do with him healing on the Sabbath as just the way that he healed him and, and some of the things that took place uh, prior to the healing and at the healing and then after the healing. And we'll look at a few of those things this morning. But this morning, as we start out, I had Maria get me a, a, a sucker here, a lollipop. And, and I wanted to, it's a lot better demonstration when there's people around that, you know, now you're going to be drooling and wanting one of these. Uh, but I've got a lollipop right here. And it's just one lollipop, one sucker right here in my hand. So just say, uh, for the sake of this message this morning, just say, I'm standing here, <clears throat> and I hear a bunch of kids outside my office here, and they're out there playing, and they're, they're having a good time, and, and they're making a lot of racket, but they're having fun, and, and that doesn't bother me. I love to see kids having fun, but just say I took this, this lollipop right here, being the nice guy that I am, and I'm going to walk outside the door here of the office, and I'm going to go out here where these kids are playing, and I'm going to find the neediest one child that's out there. And I'm going to hand them this lollipop. I'm going to give them this sucker. But it's only one sucker and one kid. Even though there's a whole crowd of them out there, I'm going to give one sucker to one kid. But here's the thing. It's a nice gesture on my part. It's a, it's a great gesture. And I would, in real life, I would do that. I would, I would give probably the neediest kid... Uh, a sucker or something else but that's just the way I am but here's the thing, some of you might get mad at me some of you listening this morning might get pretty mad at me because I didn't give your kid a lollipop maybe in that crowd of kids that's outside playing one of them is yours maybe I didn't give your kid that sucker and you're mad at me now I could give your kid a Mountain Dew and send him home but I'm not going to, I'll give Ethan one next Sunday just for meanness. But I didn't give all the kids one. I didn't give your kid one. I give one needy child one lollipop. Now some of you might get mad for giving that one and not all the others. I could just go get a you know a 12 pack of Mountain Dew and give them all Mountain Dew and send them home, but I'm not going to do that. I only picked out one needy child and give them that one lollipop. Most of you might think it, it wasn't fair. And that's how we, we look at things nowadays is that's not fair. Or in another uh, biblical term, we would say that's not just. 
Now, I want to define that word just for you. The word just means based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. So you might say that that's not just to me to give that one lollipop to one kid in front of all the other kids. And growing up, you've heard it in school. Every time, if you come to school and, and you had a piece of candy or something, and, and you didn't have enough for everybody, you was told, if you don't have enough for everybody, then don't eat that in front of the rest of us. That's what we were told. But what if there was one person that is in need, and you had something to offer them that you couldn't give everyone else, or, or maybe not at that time you couldn't give everyone else? But I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Do you think Jesus was just? Do you think Jesus is just? Now, I'm going to go back. I'm going to read you that definition one more time. Just, it means based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. So here's that question again. Do you think Jesus is just? Now, what if Jesus walked into a place that is filled with, with people who are blind? They were filled with, it was filled with people that were lame. They were, were deaf, maybe mute. Maybe they had leprosy. What if Jesus walked into a place where there was a lot of needy people? And what if Jesus uh, was uh, able to help all those people, but he only chose one to help? What we're, what we're about to read is exactly what happened right there. He walked into a place where everyone needed something, but he only chose one to help. He only chose one to give the lollipop to. Don't get rid of that. I'll end up eating it here shortly. But Jesus was performing only one miracle in front of a whole bunch of people that were needy. And when we read this, you'll understand kind of what I'm talking about when they're at this pool. But Jesus walked into a place that was filled with lame, crippled, disease-ridden people. So he walked into a place where everybody really needed something, but he only chose one to help out. And there's a reason behind that. And we're going to look at it this morning. There, there has to be something else happening. There, there's something else going on there that we need to see. That's why John wrote this. We need to see this. Jesus performed this miracle so that we could see something deeper than just Jesus walking into a pool party and healing one guy on, on Sabbath day and going home or going on to Jerusalem. So there's more to this. It's a lot deeper than that. Jesus wants to call our attention to something very, very specific. And we'll look at it. Today I want us to learn some lessons from this pool party that's going on here in Bethesda. And, and it's a great story. It's a short story. And it's something that packs a punch for each one of us. And it's going to open up somebody's eyes this morning, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But these lessons from, from when Jesus heals this disabled man who had been, uh, he'd been disabled for 38 years, these lessons that we're going to learn, we may not have been disabled for 38 years, uh, but there's still lessons that we can learn from this. Maybe we're not disabled at all. Maybe we just have a problem. And, and from our problems and from the story we're getting ready to, to, to read about Jesus healing, uh, maybe you can solve your problems. Maybe you can fix your problems. But maybe it's, you just need someone to tell you Jesus can fix it for you. And you're going to see that this morning. So if you've got your Bibles open and you're over in John chapter 5, we're going to read verse 1 through 9. Bible starts out, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I love that. He always, they always go up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, 
which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now these lay a great, or in these lay a great multitude of infant folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water, water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Now the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up in his bed, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now here Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as uh, we come to you remotely again, Lord, as uh, others are resting comfortably in their pajamas with their coffee and they're around their family members, uh, God, I pray that your presence is felt in their homes. God, that's, uh, that's something that, that's uh, touched me the past uh, several months is we talk so much about how we need you in our homes. Lord, we need you in our lives, we need you in our hearts, we need you in our workplaces and our schools. But Lord, it all starts at the home, and that's where we need you. So Father, uh, this morning as we are back in our homes worshiping you, uh, Lord, I pray that you stay there. Lord, you're not just an invited guest for a, for a few short minutes this Sunday morning. God, I pray that uh, as these families come to you and worship together in their homes, uh, they, they've invited you in, but not just for a brief moment. Lord, they've invited you in uh, for a long time. Lord, they've invited you in uh, to stay with them, to be a part of the family that we're supposed to. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians is have you in our homes and look to you for guidance in all that we do. So if nothing else comes out of this uh, pandemic that's going on this year, Father, I pray that as we go remotely to worship you, that they've invited you in and they've asked you to stay, just a long-term uh, guest in our, in our homes. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for the words here that John has spoken and written down. Lord, I thank you uh, for your son's healing grace on the Sabbath. Lord, where he went in amongst the sick and he went straight to the one that had faith. Lord, he went to the one that had been crippled for 38 years. And Lord, he healed him. But the man had faith and he rolled up his his blanket, and he went on into the temple, and he worshiped with Jesus that day. Lord, what, what a great story that is. And Lord, I pray that we can find a, a glimmer of hope in this story for someone today that may be struggling. Lord, we thank you again for this Sunday. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to preach. Even though we're not together, uh, we're still together. Uh, we're, we're two or three gathered in your name. That's what we're doing this morning online is we're gathered in your name. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray that you would just bless our time together. Bless this message this morning. May it be a hope and a touch to someone that's, that's struggling today. We love you and praise you. Call us your son's name, we pray. Amen. Alright, so we're, we're reading this story right here about this man that's 38 years old. And, I, and I, I can't help but think about someone being sick for 38 years. And that's what the Bible's telling us right here. It says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Now we're assuming that he's 38 years old. We don't know for sure that he's 38 years old, but we're just assuming that he has some disability from birth. 
Now, this is personal for me because I'm 38 years old. So I can't imagine going through life as an invalid where I can't function on my own. I can't do things on my own. I, yeah, I, I, I was born with a, a, an eye issue and, and it was taken care of when I was four years old. But I've been able to function. It hasn't stopped me, for the most part, from doing what I want to do. And so I can't imagine being this, this, this young man. That's what he is. He's a young man. I'm a young man. So he is a young man at, this, at the pools of Bethesda. And he's, he's seeking help. He's seeking healing. It's what he wants. So he's been laying on this mat probably for roughly 30 years because at a certain age as a, as a child, uh, the parents pretty much gave up on him and sent him over to the pool for healing and for help. And when I say help, it was not, it's not the, the healing help. It was financial help. So he was a beggar. And so he's there at the pool asking for, for money, asking for alms, asking for whatever someone could give him. But he's really trying to be the first person in this pool that, to be healed. Because as, the, as you read here, the angel would come down and they would step into this, this water, into one of these pools. And the first person to step in after the angel would be healed of their problems. But this man can't move. He can't function. He can't, he can't get off of his bedroll and get down in the water before somebody steps over him and goes in and supposedly is healed. Now this is all, uh, this, this isn't, uh, we'll call this pagan. Okay, this, this is a pagan ritual. This is not something that, that Jesus is doing. God didn't send angels down to this pool for them to step in and heal people. What he did, though, was send his son, Jesus Christ, down to earth to find this one man and, and so many others that, that are sin sick or just sick in general to heal, to perform this miracle. So what you need to understand about this, these pools right here is the fact that it's pagan and, and angels didn't really come down, trouble the waters, and people step in and get healed. It was just a, it's almost like a fairy tale almost, I would say that. So what we're going to look at this morning is, is four things. And the first thing we're going to look at is Jesus' question. It reveals that not every sick person needs to be healed. And I know you think, a preacher, Lord, that, that's the craziest thing in the world. Everybody that's sick wants to be healed. You're probably wrong. Not everybody wants to be healed. Look at verse 6 again. Verse 6 says, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? He had to ask him a question. Jesus had to ask this man do you want to be healed? Jesus' words right here. You read, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Sounds funny, don't it? What if you went to the doctor? What if you had a medical problem? And you went to the doctor and the doctor said, Well, here's what we can do for you, but do you want to be healed? Do you want to be cured? Do you want to be, do you want this fixed? It doesn't sound right, does it? Because when we go in, we go in, with the thought of, I've got to get better. I've got to be healed. So for a doctor to come to you and say, hey, do you want to be fixed or be, be healed? Uh, we, it just kind of blows your mind. That, yeah, I want to be healed. We had a, a, a four-wheeler accident we ran into yesterday. And the lady flipped the four-wheeler over, pinned her leg down. She wasn't really hurt that bad. Had a nice little bruise. But I had, we have to ask the question, do, do you want to go to the hospital? Well, in my mind, if I flipped a four-wheeler and I've got this big old bruise, and I mean, it's, it was pretty deep, uh, I, I might want to go get checked out. But we still have to ask, do you want to be taken to the hospital? Do you want to be seen? Do you want to have that looked at? So it kind of sounds strange for Jesus to ask that question. 
Do you want to be healed? For Jesus to say, wilt thou be made whole? Strange, ain't it? But here's what you got to think. That a lot of people don't want to be healed. You don't see every alcoholic and every addict beating down the doors of a treatment center, demanding that they let them in because they, they need to find healing. You don't see that. You don't see uh, people that are physically sick uh, going to the doctor until their illness has gotten to the point where, where it's gotten worse. They wait till it's worse before they go. I don't recall ever coming into the church, any of my churches, and I've had people waiting at the door, beating the door down, saying, Preacher, open the door. we got to get in. we got to get saved now. You don't see that because people don't always want to be healed. People don't always want to, to, to be healed of their addiction. They don't always want to be healed of their physical or their mental problems. You're going to think I'm crazy, but a lot of people don't want to be healed by Jesus. There's a lot of people in this world that have refused and have rejected my Jesus Christ. They don't want him in their life. If you have, if you have been out and you've been on any type of, it doesn't have to be a mission trip, but typically this is where you see it is on the mission field. And you're in a, in a place that doesn't know about Jesus. If you go up to someone and, say, and talk to them and start a conversation and ask them if they'd like to know more about Jesus, you want to get the wind knocked out of your cell. You wait for somebody to say no. Because we're not used to that. It's because not everybody wants to know about Jesus. Not everybody wants to feel the healing power of Jesus Christ. Not everybody wants to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I know it sounds weird. It sounds crazy. But there are people out there that will reject Jesus. And unfortunately, those are the ones that are going to go to hell. Because they rejected Jesus. They rejected his love. They rejected the fellowship. They rejected the, the, the friendship. They have rejected a Savior, the, the Savior. They rejected it. And so, yeah, it is weird, but people do reject Jesus. They reject that healing. But could it be, and again, could it be that some of the things that, that are going on through, that we're going through in our life, are because we don't want to get better. Is there something going on in your life right now that you don't want to get better from? I don't know. There, there, you may be one of those people that, yeah, I've got Jesus, in, I'm saved, I've got Jesus in my heart, I love him to death, but I don't want to be healed from this situation, this predicament. I don't want to be uh, healed from this problem that's going on in my life. Maybe, I don't know. But you got to think about that. Maybe we're not willing to let go of our problems. And, and, and I, I've seen this really good, and hopefully I'll be able to do this next time we come back to church, or one day we get to come back to church, that uh, this, this person takes a, a, a big box and a little box, and on the front of the big box is, is problem. It just says the word problem, and on the, on the little box it says God. And so we're really bad to, to take our problems and give them to God, but then we turn around and put them back in our problem box. But what the guy did is he spun the boxes around big box ended up being God and the little box ended up being problems. And we take our problems and we give them to God, but we leave them in there. And he's got all this room for all our problems. That's our problem right now in this life. It is a problem that we won't get rid of our problems. Our problem is pride. Our problem is selfishness. Our problem is the fact that we don't trust Jesus the way that we're supposed to trust Jesus. I can't think of anybody else in this world to trust more than Jesus. Not many people in this world are willing to go above and beyond 
what Jesus did, and nobody's going to go above and beyond Jesus. Don't, don't take me wrong there. But nobody's willing to, to sacrifice the way that he sacrificed out of nothing but pure love for us. I cannot imagine not trusting Jesus wholly. There's problems in, in all our lives. All our lives. You can't sit there this morning and tell me you don't have a problem. We've all got problems. But we can eliminate, thin out a lot of our problems if we would just trust Jesus with our problems. We'd rather hold on to these problems that we have and be in control than to hand them over to Jesus and lose control. We're control freaks. Everyone, Christians are control freaks. Actually, human beings in general are control freaks. We don't want to give our problems to Jesus because we're going to lose control. We can't take care of it the way we feel like we need to be taking care of it. So we lose control. And that's fine, though. Because if I'm losing control of my problem, that means God has control of it. I'm all right with losing control if I know the one that has control of it is in control. And so we've got to always keep that in mind. To let Jesus have control of your problem. Lose control. Lose control is okay when it comes to your problems. When you have given that problem to Jesus. I, that, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Let go of your problems. Lose control of the problem because Jesus has control of that. So I think a legitimate question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I want to be healed? Do you want to be healed this morning? It may not be, again, I said a while ago, it may not be a physical ailment. You may not be physically sick, but you may have something going on in your life. Do you want to be healed? I, I, I love to be able to answer that for you, but I can't. You have to answer that yourself. In your heart of hearts, do you want to be healed from whatever the problem might be? It's yes or no. I want you, when you're thinking about your problems this morning, and I want you to remember this song. When you're thinking about all the problems in your world and, and, and you're trying to figure out, do I want to be healed or not? Remember this song. Psalm 14.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He healeth the broken in heart. If you're a broken person, if you've been torn down, if you've just been absolutely destroyed in the past few months or weeks or days, whatever it might be, if you are destroyed, your heart has been broken. Remember that. He healeth the broken in heart. He will fix it. He will heal you. He will mend you. He will, he will fix up that broken heart. Now, number two, now, notice where the disabled man is laid. Look at where he's laying. Verse two tells us, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda, I want you to remember Bethesda and what it means. The, just the word Bethesda means house of mercy. I love it, house of mercy, but it's looked over. Bethesda, this little place right outside Jerusalem, this, this, this is a little hole-in-the-wall place, literally, is, is it's looked over. It's got great significance behind it. And there's a couple things to remember. It, and it's a connection to Jesus. Number one, this is where Jesus' maternal grandparents lived. This is where Mary's parents lived, Bethesda. But this is also where Mary, Jesus' mom, was born. So it's, it's a pretty neat little connection there between Jesus and these pools in this, this area, this, this hole in the wall, uh, where he's at. So this crippled man is laying near this gate. 
and, and uh, at the gate, what I want you to look at right here um, is called the sheep gate. And, and there's some significance right here behind the sheep gate. And it, it's got five porches near the pool of Bethesda. We, we just read that. The sheep gate is this very, very narrow gate. So you think about how, how big a sheep is. So it doesn't need to be a, a very wide gate. So this literally is a sheep gate. Now, we talk about Stephen's gate or uh, the lion gate uh, because of where Stephen was stoned and killed as a martyr. Uh, they used to be called the lion's gate, and, and it had four lines that, uh, above it in rock. Uh, but when Stephen was martyred there, they changed the name off from the lion's gate to the sheep gate. So it's not a place where the lions would go through because it didn't have lions there. They had, uh, like a leopard, but it's not where the lions would go through. It was just a name that was given. But this is literally a sheep gate. This was the gate right here, an air gate where sheep were brought into the temple for sacrifice. So it didn't need to be very wide. It didn't need to be a big gate. It just needed to be a little something for maybe the sheep, a few sheep, and a shepherd maybe, or whoever's purchased the sheep to take in for sacrifice, just wide enough for them to go through this for the uh, for the sacrifice. Now, outside the gate were the pools. This is where the pools were, outside that gate. So you've got the pools, the gate, the temple. And, and so they would go in, and they had these sheep, and there was these pools, these five pools that they're talking about. So you've got these pools that were, or not five pools, five porches, but they had these pools, probably about two pools. And these pools were set up to catch rainwater. So inside these pools where this lame man and all these, these lame people were laying, inside these pools was rainwater that was caught, and the water was used not for healing purposes, but for cleansing purposes. They would take these, these sheep into these pools, and they'd wash them real good. And so they would come in nice and white and clean. And they would get them nice and clean, and then they'd take them in through the sheep gate for the sacrifice that was going to take place. So this would have been an area of great wealth and great prosperity because the people that had the sheep were, they were selling the sheep to those that were going in to make the sacrifice. So there was a lot of money going on. There's a lot of, uh, of wealth in this area because of these people selling the sheep outside the sheep gate. It would have been a place where that if you were visiting the area, you really would want to put it on your itinerary as a, as a must-see uh, because it's a really neat place to see. You get to see these sheep coming in for the sacrifice. Back, that was back in the day when they were doing those sacrifices. It still exists. Uh, I've been there personally. I've been there twice. And it's so neat to see these pools outside of, of the old Jerusalem. And you see these pools there, and you can see the pillars where the porches used to be. And you get to thinking, you sit, and you just think, my Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, and he healed a man on this very spot. So it's a very important place, and it's not, uh, it, it's not made up. It's a literal, actual place that, has, that still exists to this day. And so you've got Jesus uh, going back to his grandparents' home place. He's going back to where his mother was born. And he goes into this pool where, there, where the sacrificial sheep, sacrificial lambs, you tie that together with Jesus. You've got this Jesus going in where these sacrificial lambs were, were being washed and made clean before the sacrifice. And he goes in as the lamb. And he didn't get in the water and take a bath or nothing like that. But he goes up to the edge of the water and he, he sees this man that's there and he, he heals them. Now, picture the people that are there. I want you to think about the type of people that are at these pools at the time. 
They're full of despair. And they're full of sickness. Despair and sickness. Despite all the wealth and prosperity around them, they were stuck in their despair and their sickness with nowhere to go. No, no one supposedly to turn to. No one would help them. Some of them were unable to get into the pool because others that were able to walk would jump over them and jump in to get in the pool after the supposed angel would step foot in there and stir troubled waters, as it says. So you've got these people that are full of despair and full of sickness. And God, what we need to understand about God is God has this massive wealth of things available for us. He has this massive amount of love that He wants to give us. He has this massive amount of joy that He wants to bestow upon us. He has this massive amount of blessings, this unending that He wants to give us. He has this massive amount of things, all these things, all the fruits that He wants to give us. He has a massive amount, an unending amount, never will run out, this massive amount of, of wealth that He wants to give us. But we, we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want to take it. But He had all this to offer us, and we almost refuse, sometimes reject, or maybe we don't want all of it. And that's what goes on at this pool. That's what's going on at this pool. There's all this massive wealth, but it's being rejected. It's not being taken uh, as it's supposed to be taken. But in spite of all that he has to offer, all that God has to offer, people would rather stay stuck in their sickness. They'd rather stay stuck in their despair. And I don't understand why. Anyone, you talk to anyone that's been saved in older age, if they've been through anything else in their life, they've been through a lot of stuff in their life, the only regret they have about being a Christian is that they did not accept Jesus years ago. Not that it would have taken away their problems, but it sure would have made their problems a lot easier because someone else would have been in control and not that person. Think about what happens when a lost person dies. Now, we, we think of hell. When a lost person dies, they go to hell. We know that. That's, that's just fact. So the, these lost people, they die, they go to hell. They had the potential of all of God's goodness. They had the potential of all that God has to give that peace, love, joy, happiness, all those fruits, all, the, all these blessings that he can offer them, they had the potential of all of that, but instead they chose to remain in their sin. They remained in their sin. They wanted to stay wallowing in that old filthy sin instead of receiving all that God has to offer them. Don't make sense to, to a lot of us, but that's what's happened. They refused. They refused to leave all that they know just like those crippled folks at the pool. They refused to leave because they were so focused on this pagan whatever, ritual, whatever you want to call it. They were so focused on the thought of if I can just take a dip in that pool after the angel comes through, if I can just do it first, I'll be, I'll be healed. They were so fixed on that that they didn't even think about all that God has to offer. They didn't think about all the, the healing that God could provide for them because they refused they refused all that they, because of all that they, they thought they knew. They refused it. They refused to leave all of that just like those crippled folks at the pool. They refused to leave their sin just like those crippled folks at the pool. I'll back up so you understand that better. That's what happens to these people that die. They're lost. They refused. They refused to leave all that they know just like those people at the pool. That's, and that's sad. That's, that's, a, that's a bad way to be. It's, it's all the same thing. So what he's telling us is we need to leave the poolside and go to Jesus' side. 
Leave what we think we know that's there by the pool. Leave the paganism that's going on around us. Leave all that worldly stuff and just go with Jesus. Go with the miracle worker. Go with the one that can heal you. The one that can, that can touch you physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. The one that can heal you from all the disease that's going on in your life. Go with that and not with the pagans, not with the world. We've got to remember that. Now, the third thing we're going to look at this morning is Jesus picks out the one who is probably the worst of the worst. Now look at verse 5 again. It says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Now again, we don't know if he was 38 years old or if he just had the, the, the infirmity for 38 years. But verse 7 says, And the infant man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And, and that's sad. He's trying to say, Lord, I, I can't get in the water because I'm, I'm too slow. I can't get there quick enough. I have no friends. I have no man. He says that he has no man to put him in the pool. He has no friends to help pick him up and take him down to the pool. The other people that are there, they're selfish. So they're not going to help him. Nobody's going to get him by the leg and drag him down in the water. So they're just going to leave him laying there. It's every man for themselves right here. Now, I say this man's been there about, and I said this earlier, about 30 years, roughly. And, and that's because at a certain age, these parents would say, I can't deal with it anymore. I can't financially, I can't support him. I can't support our family and him both. So they would drag him out to the street or wherever the wealthy people were coming through. And they would just plop these youngins down for the day and, and see if they could pick up some extra cash while the parents were out doing their thing. And honestly, it's still happening today over there. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen it. I've seen it when I was over there. Both times I was over there, you would see children out there uh, begging for money. Their parents were probably down the street begging for money. But the, at some point, these crippled children, and they were crippled, uh, they were asking for money. One of them, it ripped my heart out. And I, I wanted so bad to take a picture of it, but just out of respect for the, the lady and her, her child, I didn't. But that ripped my heart out. This, this young lady, in, while we was in Jerusalem, uh, sitting there begging for money with her child, and you could tell her child had cerebral palsy. You could, I mean, it just rips your heart out, and you wanted just to stop and, and, and it's pretty much dump your pockets out and give her all that you could. But they can't afford, they don't have the resources we have here in the U.S. now. They don't have the resources to, to, to draw disability or to, to get financial aid while their child is sick. Same thing is going on right here. At a certain point in this young man's life, his parents dumped him off at the, the sheep gate and said, you're going to have to fend for yourself. You're going to have to come up with your own uh, source of income. We can't do it for you. And I say, again, this man had probably been there uh, about the longest amount of time. More than likely, he'd been there the longest. So first of all, we'll say that he, his, he has seniority of laying there at the sheep gate. He has seniority there at the, at the pool of Bethesda. Secondly, his situation is kind of hopeless. He can't move. If you've ever met someone that's paralyzed from the, from the neck down, you, you, at some point you think they're hopeless, they're helpless. They're not. These people are amazing people. The things that they go through and, and the life that they live and, 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 and just the, the joy that they can bring to you and the positive response that they have to what we would call a bad situation, they, they're finding all the good in it. So this man had been there the longest amount of time, and so uh, people are probably saying, this, this guy's hopeless. All right, so if, if, if in 30 years he has been 
the first at the pool, when it was stirred, if it has not been, I'm sorry, has not been the first at the pool, when it's been stirred, what will give this man uh, the hope that sometime in the next 30 years that he might be the first in the pool? If he hadn't been able to get in in 30 years, what makes him think that he's going to be able to get in in another 30 years? So he's, he's feeling hopeless. So Jesus picks him out because he wants to show us that nothing is impossible with God. He picks out this one individual that's probably been there the longest of any of the cripples, and he said, nothing is impossible with me. That, that's Jesus speaking. Nothing is impossible uh, with me. And Jesus tells us that over in Matthew 19, 26. He says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I love that. But with God, all things are possible. So this young man at the pool, thinking it's impossible for himself to get in that pool because he has no one to help him. Now he has the healer. He has this great position in front of him that's going to help him. Because he says, Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. So he knew that he was going to be healed. There's no problem too big. There's no sin or too bad that God can't save. And I want you to always remember that as you try to, to witness to these people that, that say that they're too eat up in their sins, that they have, they have, uh, they've done too much bad stuff in the past. I want you to always remember and to encourage them that there is no sinner too bad that can't be saved. God will save them if they just ask. And it's hard for some to understand, but He will save them. He teaches us that whatever the situation is, we should not give up hope because of God, or because our God can do the impossible. We've seen Him do the impossible. He continues to this day to do what we call impossible. It's possible with God. It will always be possible with God. Now, the fourth and last thing that we'll look at this morning, and I'll shut up, is notice the man takes Jesus at His word. This is where I want you to hang on this morning. This is what I want you to hang on to this morning. I want you to be like this crippled man. And I want you to hang on to what Jesus tells him. Now listen to verse 9 again. It says, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. He takes Jesus at his word. This folks right here, this, this is the inspired word of God. Right here, my Bible, your Bible. This Bible is the inspired word of God. What you read from, from end to amen, from Genesis to Revelation, what you read is Jesus' word. This is God's word, and you need to take it as his word. Take it as it is. And understand that what he is telling us, he is going to fulfill. When he promises you something, he's not going to break that promise. We've got to take it I'm going to read it again because I love this. Verse 9 says, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. And immediately the man was made whole. I want you, if you go back to verse 8, it says, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. The man didn't question him. It's not written right here that, that the man questioned Jesus. Jesus says, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And then the Bible follows that up and says, and immediately the man was made whole. Immediately. Jesus, all he said is, get off your bed and go on. And it happened. 
The man was physically able to walk. I don't know what parts of his body was not functioning, but we know that his feet and his legs and his hands and his arms were because it says that he, Jesus told him to rise, that means get up, so he had to get up off his butt, so he stood up on his feet, so he got up on his feet, and then he says, take up thy bed, so that we know that his hands and his arms were working because he had to roll up his mat and get his blanket. And he had to, to get it off the ground. So we know that his feet were working, his legs were working, his hands were working, his arms were working. And then the Bible tells us that he said, walk. So he got up, got his bed, and he took off walking. And it says, immediately the man was made whole. The man didn't question Jesus. He never doubted the power of Jesus Christ. He did not doubt God. He did not doubt the miracle that just happened. He just got up and went on. My favorite part of this whole story is the fact that he didn't go off and, and brag about what Jesus just did. My favorite part is the fact that he went on to the temple. He went on in, he went, because that's what Jesus was saying. We don't know what feast Jesus was going to celebrate, but we know that there's a feast going on. Jesus swung by the pool, healed a man, and then they went off together to the temple. And they worshiped together. They feasted together. I can't imagine the conversation that took place between Jesus and that man. And I don't know if they walked up together. I don't know. But they went to worship together. They may have sat down and broke bread and, and, and drank their, their wine or whatever they were eating and drinking at the time. Or they may have had, I don't know what they were doing. But anyway, they had a feast. And that conversation that's going on between that man and Jesus. Can you imagine the things that Jesus got to hear that day? But can you imagine the things that the people around him got to hear? All these people that walked by this man at the sheep gate, down at the pool for 30, 38 years. Can you imagine the, when they looked down and said, I know you. I gave you an alm. I know you've been down there for years. What are you doing up here? How did you get up here? Did the water work? <laughs> Not that water, but the living water. It worked. Meet my friend Jesus. I want you to meet my Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the reason I'm up here. Can you imagine the conversation? But it's because he took him in his word. He, he, he believed in him. He said, this is Jesus. In my heart, I know who he is. And he's going to heal me. And he healed him. And, and immediately, the man was made whole. What a blessing. Immediately. It wasn't gradual. If y'all ever broke a bone or, 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 or been and had a surgery or something like that, you know, it's a gradual healing process. I can't imagine, this man couldn't walk. Can you imagine how long it would take for someone to go, you gotta go through rehab. You know, you gotta go through extensive physical therapy to learn how to walk again. Not this guy. It all happened at one time. Immediately, this man was healed and he took off and he worshiped. That's the way to do it. Folks, if you've got a problem, if you've got a situation and, and God heals it, the first thing that you need to be doing is praising God. Don't get on social media and start, and start telling about that. I, I want you to start praising God right then. Thank the Lord for what He just did for you. Brag about Jesus. There's nothing wrong about bragging on Jesus, on Jesus. Brag about Him. But you need to do just like this man. And you need to praise Him and worship Him. And, and, and let the world know how good he is for you. There was no hesitation in this man's part. None whatsoever. He went. He got up and he went. He took Jesus at his word. And when he 
when he tells you that you, you're forgiven, and that's what the Bible tells us, when we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful just to do just that. He's going to forgive us. Without hesitation, we need to let go of the guilt that we're carrying. Without hesitation, we've got to let go. Let go and let God. I love that. Just let go and let God. But we've got to not hesitate. We've got to be just like this man. Don't hesitate. Just let go and let God. That's all we can do. What do we do when he tells us that he will provide? Because a lot of times when we know in the Bible that God tells us that he's going to provide. But what do we do? We doubt. We hesitate. And it's unfortunate. We doubt. We hesitate. Without hesitation, what we need to be doing is releasing that worry that fills our mind. Releasing that worry that's in our heart. Just let it go and let God. We have to. We have to be faithful to Him. He's faithful to us. So we've got to be faithful to Him and just let Him have control. By healing this man, Jesus was not being unjust. Remember I gave you the definition of just earlier. Jesus wasn't unjust. It, that lollipop I showed you a while ago. Jesus took that lollipop to the one person. And think about all the people that he got to touch and he got to witness to because he was faithful. Jesus was faithful to the Father and he was faithful to that one individual when he healed him. He was faithful. He said he wasn't unjust. He was just. And I would say through that miracle, there was salvation. That those pools that were there, there was tons, thousands probably of people that were around those, those pools. So these people got to witness a miracle. Do you not think that through that miracle there was salvation? More than likely, there was salvation. So there was more than one person healed at that pool or those pools that day. There was people healed from the 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 sin life that they were living. They were they were healed and saved from the pits of hell because of the miracle that Jesus performed right there. By healing this man, he was teaching us that he can bring healing into everyone's life. He will heal you. You may have stage four cancer. You may have something going on. You may have cardiac problems. You might have something underlying right now that going on in your life. He can heal, but we've got to let him heal. He's teaching us that he can bring healing into anyone's life. No matter how bad a sinner you think you might be, he'll still heal you. He will still save you, and he will still heal you. We've got to remember that. No matter what your situation, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. As, bad, as, as big as you think it might be, it's little to God. He will take care of it. And he will heal you if you just let him. Let him come to you this morning. Let him come to you in all your sickness and all your failures and all of your, your sin that you're in right now. Let Jesus come into you. You're at home. You're comfortable right now. You're probably sitting in your recliner on your couch. I don't know. That's probably still got that stupid cat hanging on to it. I don't care. It doesn't matter where you're at. You need healing. You've got to have this healing inside of you. And only Jesus can bring it to you. So stop being so prideful. Put away your pride and let him come into your life and heal you from whatever brokenness, from whatever problem that you have this morning. Let him touch you. Let him heal you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we come to you, God, I want to ask for healing. Lord, for healing in my life. Lord, for healing in others' lives that may be listening this morning. I don't know their situation, but you do. 
Lord, I pray that they would take care of it themselves this morning. They would come to you and they would spit out that pride and they would put away uh, any reserve they might have about you being uh, the one almighty God and, and let you take care of the situation that's in their life. Let you take care of whatever that problem might be. Let you handle what's going on. Let them lose control so that you can gain it and take care of it. God, only you can. Uh, anytime we get involved, Lord, you know we're going to mess it up. But Lord, you're perfect. Lord, you're going to take care of it. And you're going to do it the right way and in your way and in your time because of being thy will. And Lord, I pray this morning that, that these that are listening, that are, have been reading along the scripture and listening to this message, God, that if they are struggling with that problem, Lord, this morning they would just turn it completely over to you. Lord, put it in the big box and not take it back out. Lord, leave it at the altar, wherever that might be. Lord, just leave it there and not take it back with them. God, you, you, are, you are a creator. You are the healer. You are the master. You are so much to so many. And Lord, I pray this morning just that each person has that personal relationship with you in their life and that they would, again, turn over their situation to you and let you do with it as you see fit and whatever would be inside that will. Lord, we thank you again for an opportunity, even though we're not together physically, Lord, we're still together uh, through technology. And Lord, we thank you for this, this opportunity to, to continue to worship uh, the best that we can. And Lord, we just want to praise you today for this opportunity. Lord, be with us throughout this week. Keep us safe in all that we do. Keep us healthy uh, wherever we go. And as uh, Thursdays we get together in our homes and we celebrate this Thanksgiving, I pray that we would stop and reflect on just how thankful we are for salvation, for our families, and for this great nation that we live in. Uh, Lord, you have blessed us greatly uh, with all of that. And I pray that, that we not forget it. And uh, Thursday we bring it back to to, uh, to all to hear just how thankful we are for you and your son Jesus Christ. We love you. Lord, we praise you. This morning we thank you. All of your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, church, I hope you uh, have a great Sunday, and I'll be back on here uh, tomorrow morning for your uh, weekly devotions, and we'll see you then.